welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, my guest today for this conversation is Professor Stuart McGill. And Professor Stuart McGill, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Well, thank you, Will. Uh, now, where are you located? I'm located real close to St. Louis, Missouri. Ah, okay. Well, it's still morning. I, I just finished off a podcast to Italy and I had to transform oh. times. But uh, good morning to uh, you in St. Louis. <laughs> good morning. And so, Professor McGill, um, you're, you're, the reti- you're retired professor of sti- spine biomechanics of the University of Waterloo in Canada, and you're the uh, chief scientific officer of Beckfit Pro Incorporated. I'm just kind of reading from the inside the cover of Ultimate Back Fitness and Performance. <laughs> but um, just to tell you how I got familiar with you, and, and then I'll let you kind of introduce yourself and tell a little bit more about yourself, is... Um, uh, so I'm 55 now. This was back when I was around 40. Um, I started getting into lifting weights. I've always been a very skinny fellow. I'm six foot three and about 160, 165. And I got into the weight room and just kind of abused my body with <laughs> uh, deadlifts and squats and just really overdoing things. And so I s- started having back problems. And in looking for help, I came across junior books and I read um, The Back Mechanic and then Ultimate Back Fitness and Performance. And um, I got familiar with you that way. And then here more recently, I was rereading The Back Mechanic and and really kind of paying attention to how you explain how the back is constructed and comes together. And I, I was just impressed by the design of the back and the impact it made on me is that, um, wow, this body is pretty amazing and it's something to be respected and to be worked with rather than to be beaten into submission, so to speak, you know, (laughs) but that's how I came across you and got introduced to you. But would you like to just tell a little bit more about yourself and your background and so forth? Well, uh, from a, a personal point of view, uh, I was never uh, identified as university material when I was a high school student. Um, interestingly enough, uh, I was, uh, have always been a very naturally curious person, but uh, I'm sure none of my high school teachers would have predicted that I would become a uh, professor. So I, I must say I was heavily influenced by mentors arriving in my life just at the right time. And uh, do you want me to give you some examples of those? Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, okay. So as, as I uh, mentioned, uh, I remember a career counselor in, in early high school telling my father at a, a parent-teacher night that uh, McGill should probably consider uh, trade school. I'm, I'm not really academic material. And I actually enrolled in, in plumbing school at a, a trade college uh, here. Well, I just started playing high school football and our uh, 
football coach was Mr. Colucci, Mr. Ralph Colucci. And the story about him, uh, he had just qualified as a teacher and we were his first class. He taught us Roman and, and Greek history, but he was also our football coach. Mr. Colucci was a bodybuilder. He looked the part and he would train with us in the uh, weight room. I loved it. Uh, it started at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, so many students got out of bed to train with Mr. Colucci in the morning. Uh, and then we would go to football practice later on in the afternoon. And then on Saturdays, this was unheard of in high school football in Canada. Occasionally we would have a Saturday morning practice. Well, Mr. Colucci's family was in the plastering business. We would come in sleepy-headed to football practice, 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, and he came in with fresh, wet plaster drying in his hair, showing us all that he'd already been up in the wee hours plastering uh, houses and then found it in his heart to come and coach us, the ragtag mob, uh, in football. Now, do you not think every player on the team after seeing that wouldn't run, a, run through a wall for the man? Hmm. Uh, anyway, we remain friends uh, for the rest of uh, our lives in that he passed away two years ago. But um, uh, he convinced me to come back to high school out of plumbing school uh, play football. And that's how uh, I ended up actually uh, going to university. So that was uh, a, a mentor that was a life-changing uh, experience for me. And then going through the various levels of undergrad, I couldn't learn mathematics to save my life in high school. But when I got to university, there was a uh, professor. He, he was actually fired uh, eventually for alcoholism. Um, but he would come to calculus class and explain how Leibniz and Newton would uh, in, invent and use calculus. And he would say, well, you know, if, if water runs through a pipe and the diameter necks down, the flow rate and the pressure goes up. Well, remember, I'm a plumber. So I thought, is that what calculus is? I thought it was as X tends to zero, something magic happens with these limits, which, you know, in high school was gobbledygook. All of a sudden, that was a transformation. I could see science and math and physics and biology and anatomy, and it all started to come together for me. So that was another major transformation. Then uh, I went through a master's degree in, in biomechanics, uh, and then uh, I did my PhD. My, my mentor, uh, Professor Bob Norman, really honed in me uh, this idea of integrity in, in work, uh, integrity in science, and the discipline of uh, logical thought. And I had other uh, mentors that taught me the goods of mechanics, uh, people like uh, David Winter, who has uh, uh, since passed. Well, I would, uh, then I was hired as a professor I only started with one question, and that was simple. How does the spine work? And uh, I would be asked by different clinical groups, oh, could you come and give a lecture to this group of neurologists or physical medicine docs or therapists or whatever they were? And they would say, well, would you come and see a patient with us? And I said, well, no, I'm a scientist. Uh, but they 
slowly mentored me in the clinical skills. And uh, I had some wonderful clinical mentors over the years, people like Dick Earhart, who was a professor uh, at the University of, of Pittsburgh in the PT department of the medical school there. And he would take me aside and, and spend hours with patients showing me what you feel with your hands and, and really raising uh, clinical awareness and being present with a person to see the pain in their eyes, read it in their face, feel the neurological reaction if you probe the pain trigger, uh, etc. And uh, then uh, coaches, elite teams and athletes would ask for consults. And I had some fabulous uh, mentors uh, there as well. Uh, world's strongest man, people, you know, like Bill Kazmaier, who you, you may know, uh, Brian Carroll, who, who has set the all-time world record in the squat, which is a powerlifting uh, event. Uh, and, and working with just world dominant athletes like, you know, I think of GSP or George St. Pierre in, in mixed martial arts and, and how to him, yes, it's important to win, but it's how you win that was so important. And yet, you know, people think these athletes are brutes and, uh, I really haven't found that among them, uh, at all. They, uh, live by a code and certainly have their, uh, ethics. But anyway, it's a long-winded uh, answer, but I guess basically I sure didn't do this on my own, and the mentors came at the right time and gave me the guidance I needed. Uh, and it's, it's been a good life, and I hope I've been able to contribute something back. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for that uh, just kind of overview of your career and the people who've you know, made an impact and influenced you. And um, so I, I know we, I had sent you a list of questions, which when I looked for them this morning, I couldn't find. So I might not be asked, asking exactly the, the same things, but you can steer me um, however you want if, uh, you know, if you need to. But um, I... Um, so you've really excelled in your um, profession. Um, I guess um, these mentors you're talking about have um, uh, just influenced you in in that uh, respect to really, um, you know, toward excellence, I suppose. And um, because you're you're kind of unique, I'm I'm, I'm sure a, a lot of people are. Um, you know, professors, you know, who teach about the back and so forth. But um, is there anything um, in particular that has impacted you as far as just, you know, excelling in this, your, your profession or, um, or is that how it seems to you as far as like, uh, is it been the subject matter itself that has uh, just driven you on or? Um, well, I think it's a combination of my innate curious personality. Uh, I don't think I'm God's gift in the academic uh, department, so to speak. However, 
Uh, as I said, I, I had the mentors that influenced me in, at, at the right time, and I had the personality to, to remain curious. So, you know, I, I suppose uh, I could have been a mushroom biologist, and I would have been just as curious and uh, continued the probing of the system that we did with uh, spines. So yeah. uh, I, I think it's just more the... Um, uh, the, the, the way I operate, approach uh, problems uh, quite often as gifts, I, I must say that as I interacted with uh, different athletes or it might be an insurance company asking about a specific injury mechanism and one of their the people who've been injured and they're responsible uh, for and then I, I fused that with what I was learning in the uh, laboratory. Uh, it, it was a beautiful synergy to get the real life questions and problems, and uh, then go back to the laboratory and probe the system to see if I could come back to uh, give them the answer. And uh, that might be unique as far as a lot of uh, professors go, but uh, it was very much this interplay between listening to people. Uh, with real world problems and then that becoming our next experiment. I, I don't know if that really is, is where you want to head with that or, or not. Um, no, that's fine. I appreciate uh, the answer. And um, what I'd like to ask you about is um, the impact that studying the, the human body has made on you. I think maybe I was listening to a lecture and you talked about um, different specialists, you know, uh, who specialize in different parts of the body and um, thinking about that particular part of the body and thinking about how they could design, improve the design, so to speak. Um, and they just couldn't come up with anything like the way the body was put together was just uh, pretty um, marvelous, you know, and um so has, um, I guess, you know, what impression has that made on you or just what are your, your thoughts about that? Um, has that made an impact? Um, and then, um, just kind of a follow-up question. Um, you know, I'm kind of just philosophical in my interest, you know, so I, I would want to know, do you have any kind of thoughts from like um, a metaphysical impression that the body might have made on you? Like, is there, I was, I recently came from Colorado. It was my first time there and I was hiking in the mountains and they're so grand. And um, it just kind of, um, for me, just kind of like shouted out, you know, there's like, there's a message in it. Um, it just kind of gave me this sense, this impression, I guess, like of, a God or a, a creator or something behind it all. So I was wondering if, you know, just anything like that for you and looking at the human body or just anything along those lines at all. Right. Well, uh, going back to your first question, then I think you may have been listening to the podcast where I described uh, there was a documentary being made where the producers uh, got a group of scientists and said, 
you're the expert in the knee, you're the expert in something, uh, some metabolic process of nutrition, perhaps, and you're the spine guy. If you had a chance, knowing all that you know now about your sub areas, to redesign the body to be better, how would you do it? And I never saw the final documentary, but I saw the transcripts of the various scientists contributing and almost exclusively every scientist went through the demands on the body and how that body part met the demands and uh, we couldn't improve on it. So if you take the spine, which is a flexible rod, uh, that's wonderful for tying your shoe or picking your baby out of the crib in the, in the middle of the night for feeding or something like that. But if I then ask you to pick up 100 kilos, that flexible rod will not do the job. You have to stiffen that rod and allow the hips to create the torque and driver into a stiffened spine so you can keep the upper body upright and the force transmits through down to the hands. So on one hand, you have a flexible rod for mobility, and yet you need all this muscle coordination to create stability to allow you to bear uh, heavy loads. So we could allow you to become more beam-like and create a larger, thicker spine, um, which won't move very well, so you couldn't procreate, you couldn't tie your shoe. And then on the other hand, we could give you more spine uh, flexibility. However, you would need so much musculature around that flexible rod to now stiffen it and guide it through the range of motion, you'd be wider than you were taller. Uh, now, a whale floats in water and is buoyant, so uh, it has this flexible spine and drives the fluke motion and whatnot, but if you brought it out of water, it couldn't stand up. It doesn't have thickness or enough breadth to the musculature. So you see, we are really perfect. Uh, I No way could I improve on the spine to meet all the demands that are required uh, in life. But um, I, I, to start broaching into the metaphysical in part two of the question, um, I've pondered this question a lot. I wanted to see for my own satisfaction in evolution more species in transition. So we have different types of sparrows. Uh, how come there isn't half a, uh, a you know, a, a, a barn swallow and, and half of a, uh, the, the, the bluebirds, which are both of the same family? They're very distinct from one another. But then, as I became to learn in humans, there's many genetic variants in transition that we can't see. And it wasn't till the Genome Project revealed that in my area, for example, we can look at a person's spine and see the cartilage type makeup of the disc. So there's type one collagen that gives strength, type two that gives elasticity and range of motion, type X, which binds it all together and gives resilience for repeated motion. And when you understand these genetic variants, you start to understand why someone can be a baseball pitcher, but not me. And the baseball pitcher will never be a power lifter because the form and function 
of their genetic makeup of the collagen types of the disc determines that. What will allow you to excel in one activity actually makes you injury vulnerable doing another activity. So we're all suited for these things. So now I'm starting to see the genetic variability and the evolutionary processes that I couldn't see looking for full species in transition, if you know what I mean by that. So that takes my thought to, I'm not trying to trivialize this, Will. Um, it's kind of funny because I'm like you. I, I live out in nature. I don't live in a city. I, uh, uh, and I, I was thinking the other day, talking to a young fellow nearby who had all these empty beer cans on the back of the tailgate of his pickup truck. And I, I said to him, you know, it was attributed to Ben Franklin that uh, beer is proof that God exists and that he wants you to be happy. And I, I wasn't trivializing this because, you know, I, I go out to our back and I might watch some otters play with one another. And they're, they're, they're truly playing. But what a fabulous display of uh, camaraderie. Um, I'll watch some geese corralling their, their young. Uh, and and uh, I guess it's a way of saying... All of this works because of uh, laws of nature and, you know, we wouldn't need any artificial laws made by lawyers and government if we just lived by the simple rule, uh, the golden rule, uh, treat others as you want to be treated yourself. When you think about it, that would solve so many issues in this world. And that is such a spiritual thought and concept. Um, but it explains so much of what we observe in nature. Uh, and, and, and just extend that, you know, uh, play well, uh, eat well, but eat half. Uh, be a friend, be honest. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, as a clinician, having a conversation with a patient who, uh, they're, they're, say, a high school student, and to explain to them that this is where your biology current is, currently is. I know you want to play in the NFL, but the chance of you doing that in the first place was slim. But now with this injury, and the ability to adapt being limited, uh, this isn't really in the cards for you. It devastates them. So how do you have that honest conversation and then give them hope and alternatives and show them their sport of life and all the rest of it? So I probably got way off topic on you there. But uh, anyway, there's uh, a start to that uh, uh, discussion. <laughs> yeah. So... Um... Yeah, like uh, thing. It's not real complicated how for th how things may go well. <laughs> like you're mentioning the good and the golden rule. Like this ain't rocket science, um, and um, it would just work all so smoothly. And there, are, <clears throat> you do we do observe good in the world, but we also observe a lot of suffering. And for some reason or another, we 
you know, no matter how simple the golden rule is, um, many, many times we don't follow it. And then, the, you know, there's just the, um, consequences of that. But, um, so, um, yeah, I, um, I guess just, uh, I don't know if this was in my original question or not. So, and if you want to pass, we, we can, but like, are you religious in any way, in any kind of formal way, or um, practice anything like that? No. Okay. Um, from your perspective, um, uh, what's I life all about? said that, Will, though. What I do enjoy is going with my various friends to their places of formal religious uh, practice and seeing what it's all about. And uh, I certainly get what they get from the various practices. Okay. Yeah, I, I find that really interesting. Oh, so you get what they get. You mean you kind of understand what's why they're going or what they're getting out of it? Is that what you mean by yeah, you get what yeah. they get? If, okay. I, if I go to a... Uh, uh, for example, on the weekend, I was at a, uh, uh, an Eastern European Orthodox church, and okay. uh, I found it interesting. The, yeah. the rituals, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, formal Catholic uh, practice. Um, what goes on in a mosque, uh, you know, etc. Et, et I've been to prayer sessions with some of my Jewish friends. Uh, and and to observe some of their rituals, it, that, that that is all uh, interesting. Um, but I don't practice a formal uh, um, routine or or have anything. Um, uh, what, what's the word I'm struggling for here? Formalized in my life that way, other than just observing, as I describe nature around me. Right. I, I, I do I do practice what I call a biblical training week if if you want to hear about that for for personal health. But I'd again, like to hear about that, yeah, own, that that's certainly not anything that's formalized. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'd like to hear about that. Sounds interesting. <laughs> well, when I was a younger fella, I was interested in strength and speed and and these sorts of athletic abilities. Now I'm uh, in, in my later 60s. Uh, that no longer interests me. I just want to keep my mobility and my, my current level of ability and lose as, as less as possible with each year. So I've, I've completely changed. And uh, I, I do that by what I call living the biblical life, meaning that there's seven days a week and one day of rest in that uh, seven days. And every major religion has that general uh, formula. Um, but it's very, very wise scientifically. So if I could break that down a little bit further, um, wake up uh, at the same time every day, usually earlier, and uh, keep that a routine. Get up, get moving, get your chores done. Uh, don't complain, just get it done. And then, you know, I might sit down and answer emails and write or, or do whatever I'm going to do, but only after a, a little bit of a bout of uh, physical uh, activity. Uh, two days a week, I make sure I challenge the strength component of my body. So if I'm out splitting firewood, I've checked the box. 
Um, but if I haven't for a couple of days, I will come down into uh, BackFit Pro, which I don't know if you can see. I'll just move my camera around. We've got all, you know, we have a, a patient assessment table in front of a squat rack that has uh, close to a thousand pounds. And then we've got various cable machines and we go out into that area with all sorts of uh, training tools uh, there. Um, two days a week. I work on things that are getting a bit stuck. So, you know, I've had a lot of musculoskeletal joint injury. I work on neck mobility, hip mobility, uh, this sort of thing. And then two days a week, I make sure I do something for the cardiovascular system. And if I so splitting wood, you see that checks mobility, strength and cardiovascular and uh, But if I haven't done any of that, then I'll make sure I do a bike ride or a swim or a cross-country ski, depending on the season, for that. But the magic comes on the seventh day to rest and allow a formalized deload of all of those tissues. And that's the day the adaptation occurs. That's the day that stops the accumulated stresses accumulating to the point that you do not cross a tipping point and become symptomatic. It just lets everything settle and adapt. So as I said, that's formalized in, in pretty much every major religion. But uh, from a scientific point of view, it's, uh, it's uh, really the only way. How do you like to enjoy your day of rest? Well, it, 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 it depends. I, uh, when I retired from the university, I uh, left. I, I live three hours north of there uh, in, in a rural setting. And uh, my wife's family, she had five sisters. Uh, uh, sorry, there were five sisters, so four others. Three of them still live in the uh, village that we uh, live in now. So um, we might have dinner as a family. Um, one of my brother-in-laws, uh, might say, well, let's go for a fish today or, uh, yeah, I might meet with, anyway, I, I just don't stress my body. Let's right. put it that way. I, I might, uh, go with my wife out for lunch or something, right. go for a nice, easy walk, nothing too stressful. Right. Um, so, um, and you may have already answered this, but I was going to ask, what's life all about from your perspective? And perhaps when you were talking about, you know, the golden rule, you were kind of, perhaps that's your answer, or do you have, or is there something else that comes to mind when it's just, um, when you're just thinking about, you know, what's the purpose of it all? Um, do you have any thoughts along those lines? The very simplistic thoughts because I used to think about that question and it drove me crazy and I could never get to the end of it. You know, I, I going for a walk in the, at night and I'd look up at the stars and say, surely that's got to end somewhere. The universe is not infinite. Um, what's controlling all of this? And it, you know, it, it, it just uh, drives you crazy. So all I can really reconcile is try and be a little bit kinder, uh, help out 
where I can, everyone I interact with, have I been able to help them live a better life? So it's, if it's a patient, you know, I, I check the box. I try and help them live uh, a better life with my, my family. I try and help them live a better life. So that, that, that's sort of the meaning of it all for me now. And I, I can't ponder bigger questions. I, my, my brain isn't big enough. <laughs> and, and if, if it matters, I've already quoted, um, who was it now? Ben Franklin and Beer. Uh, <laughs> do, do you remember uh, Merle Haggard, the, the country music? Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay, so Merle, do you remember his song, I'm Just a Chunk of Coal, but I'm Going to Be a Diamond One Day? Uh, that sound, uh, I kind of remember that. I mean, it, yeah, it yeah, sounds that keeps familiar. me a bit humble too. So uh, I don't always get it right. <laughs> That's in in the Ultimate Back Fitness and Performance book you showed there. I believe I've I've put that quote in there in the acknowledgments at the beginning <laughs> of my foibles. <laughs> um. So you talked about your fitness, um, and I was going to ask you about like what your fitness routines routine looks like. You already explained that, so I appreciate that. But um, have there been any other habits or routines or that type of thing that's really paid off in life? Um, things that you just, um, I don't know, that you, you do that really have, um, you know, you're really glad for it. Well, I'm glad I haven't smoked. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I've probably drank a bit more than I ought to have at certain times, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, that, that, that's a pretty rare occurrence for me now. I certainly eat better and I'm much more conscious of uh, what I eat. And, and I'm like you, I tend to be of a, a skinnier uh, kind of uh, natural uh, body type. Uh, or, or, or morphism. And, um, uh, I, I touch wood. I've, I've been able, I've, I've had some joint replacement and, and those kinds of things from an orthopedic concern, but generally otherwise I've been able to avoid the, the major, the, the horseman. If you follow the, uh, writings of Peter Atia, I don't know if you, you, you know him, he's written a book called, I do, yeah. yeah. So the four horsemen, you know, being cancer, Hmm. Uh, metabolic uh, disease, uh, brain function, and Alzheimer's. And uh, geez, what's the fourth one there? Uh, see, I, I, I guess I have Alzheimer's, <laughs> but I've been able to to really avoid the the four horsemen so far. Yeah. Um. Well, is there? Um. You know, before we all before we wrap up here, I'm gonna let you talk a little bit about what you're currently doing and how people can follow you and so forth. But um, I would just give you a chance also, just if, if there's anything else you want to um, bring up that we haven't yet, but um, I guess one kind of uh, last question I would have for you is um, just what you, um, what in life have you found just very satisfying Um is it, um, you know, I, you know, I don't know, like, uh, pr pursuits, relationships, um, um, intellectual discovery or, or, or something else other than that, you know, just what seems to make life feel like, um, 
you know, it's, it's just, you're very satisfying and, you know, well lived when you're doing whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my, my life as it is now. I see patients one day a week and, uh, people come here to backfit pro, which is in my home, but there's, there's quite a few square footage dedicated uh, to this. Um, the patients fall in several subcategories, but one subcategory will be uh, a person and, and they could be of all ages. And they say, you know, I've had back pain now. Uh, I can't do what I want to do. I really want to set my personal best in running or cycling or uh, get back playing old timers hockey or whatever it is. Uh, can you help me do that? And, uh, I'll say, well, yes, tell me about your training program. And they, they give me this hellish training program. And I'd say, you're training like a professional athlete here. Uh, this is so far beyond the science needed to adapt your body. And with your injury history and your age, you don't have that capacity anymore. Oh, but I really want to uh, improve my time in the marathon. Okay. Um, how about this? Uh, or, or, you know, they say, oh, here's a big one. I want to get back to doing CrossFit again. And I'll say, all, all right. Um, the greater your level of fitness now, the less time you will keep it. What I mean by that is if you reach a very high level of fitness, it's for a briefer period of time. Your body can't sustain it. So if you go to the waiting room of your orthopedic surgeon and see who's waiting there for knee and hip replacement, there's generally two categories. The people who've rusted out, who've never done anything, and the people who've worn out, they've done way too much. The people who lived a moderate life uh, tend to keep their joints uh, a little mm -hmm. bit longer, longer. So I'll then say to that person, well, is someone paying you a million dollars to run the marathon at your best time? And they'll say, well, no. And I said, do you have grandchildren? And they say, yes. And I said, how about this for a goal? Would you like to be the best 80-year-old grandfather on this planet that can throw a baseball with them, play on the floor with them, and get up unaided and all these kinds of things? And they said, yes. And I said, would that be a better goal for you? And they'll think for a minute and they'll say, yes, now I've got them. So hmm. it was a little bit of honest conversation. Some people call that cognitive behavioral therapy. I just call it a little honest conversation. And once they can reorientate their goals to what really, and I think this gets to the root of your question, what turns their crank? <laughs> and it really is preserving that ability and have something left so they can play for their grandchildren. Okay, I can now give you the path to get there, and it won't be through training to get your very best uh, marathon score or getting back to CrossFit and uh, improving <laughs> your score in the CrossFit Games. So I don't know if that answers your question, but... Uh, there's a, a little bit of a thought. But but personally, I must say that one day a week of seeing patients is very important for me and hopefully important for them in that it gives my week a routine. Um, I really appreciate my days off 
And uh, on my days off, as I said, I, d- I do physical labor. I, uh, I'm usually building a, a boat project <laughs> uh, at, at any one time. Uh, and uh, But seeing the patients keeps me sharp and in the game. And uh, as I said, that, that's important as well. Yeah, I really appreciate that that um, kind of little story there was just a lot of wisdom in it. I t- and I tend to be kind of driven like your hypothetical marathon runner, you know, or um, so. Um, but anyway, that really, that little bit of honest conversation really hits home. I really appreciate that. Um, well, just anything else um, before we go? And um, also, let us know how, um, you know, to follow you for anybody who would like to learn more about you and what you have to offer and, and that type of thing. Right. Well, uh, I'm not a social media person that spends time there. I'm, I'm fully engaged, uh, seeing patients and, and, uh, as I said, in, in enjoying, uh, my, my life right now. However, uh, for those people who are struggling with uh, back pain and uh, they might have been given painkillers or told that they're catastrophizing their pain and it's in their head, but they know every time they ride a bike, it causes their pain. And clearly it's a physical activity. Um, I, that's why I wrote Back Mechanic. And, and I think you said The Back Mechanic, but it's actually Back Mechanic. The Back Mechanic was a book that was stolen and written by an AI computer, believe it or not. Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting next 10 years, I'll tell you. But anyway, Hmm. it's just called Back Mechanic. And I wrote it to guide people through a self-assessment to really subcategorize their back pain so they have a very specific strategy to wind the pain down and then re-adapt their body to realistic goals and hopefully it's pain-free uh, activity. And I wrote Ultimate Back Fitness and Performance, as you know, to take it to the next level. You're now out of pain, but you really want to get back to golf or tennis or pickleball or whatever it happens to be. So that's a very different shift in philosophical approach. And if you need to see um, a clinician trained in our approaches, uh, that's also a part of what I uh, spend time doing each week is training uh, clinicians to understand this way of retuning their body to, to get back out of pain. And uh, your listeners will find these clinicians on our BackFit Pro website. Uh, they're, they're listed by physical location in the world where, together with their contact. So that's the purpose of the uh uh, the, the website. And uh, I'm not a, really a good person to follow on social media because I, I don't put any effort into that. Um, however, I do many podcasts like what we're doing today and the podcasts are all listed on the website as well, where we discuss specific topics. Thank you, Professor McGill, for the time and for your wisdom and Um, I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. My pleasure, Will. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Same to you. Mm -hmm.